right. Um, audio's running, so I'm hoping I've I've got this right this time. I've played with it. I've had a bunch of listens to a bunch of different ones. Something you might want to do, and I've just realized, is we might want to try and figure out how to keep these chords away from the away from this because as soon as it hits this we're going to get a dingy moving in the in the sound yeah um i just don't know maybe lift the sit over more yeah potentially um yeah make sure you stay in front of your mic um on it but don't yell at it just talk normally uh what else is there i think that's pretty much everything we don't have a lot of sound effects at the moment but <laughs> they're all right um and there's a bit of a f you on there as well. When did you put that on? I don't know. It was on there the originally. What's the robot one like? Uh, it looks like really bland and jazzy. But it's, what you find is like, you try to talk like that. Anyway, you're like, and try to make it really deep and dirty. But, um, it reminds me of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Dragon. Dragon. Dragon to Dragon. That's it. Um. The male one's a little bit less deep. And there's a baby and a female <laughs> as well. Uh, I don't know what sidechain does. That doesn't... I don't understand. But anyway. Um, don't need that. Studio seems to work. Um, Alright. So, we haven't filmed an intro yet. We will get one filmed. Um, but at some point, we'll... Yeah, we'll do that at some point. Right now, we're still trying to, I think, decide on a name. Maybe a yeah, Unbound and Cut's cool. Where yeah. we shoot the shit. Shoot the shit, chat about some research. Debate the deputy. Debate the deputy. <laughs> Alright. Um, so today, uh, in our in our intro podcast or our first one where we kind of just talked about ourselves and who we were, what we do, um, and a little bit about Unbound, <coughs> we we kind of touched on that we are gonna use this as a platform to kind of look into some research. Um, one, educate ourselves and then and then try and educate um, the broader public with some some takeaways from that research. Uh, if you've ever tried to read a research article, um, it's not always the most straightforward thing. They use a lot of jargon, they're very specialized, um, and they're full of citations. So it can make them very difficult to read. Um, what we're trying to do is take those research articles and make them not so, not so daunting um, and just give just give people some information. Yeah, even just bring light to some of the things that are out there that people maybe won't be exposed to because yeah. they're not reading literature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, even in this 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 one we're going to touch on today, um, there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm like, huh? Yeah, people don't people don't know this. They don't understand this. Um, and I think as a whole, it's it's quite hard for them to to take the time to read it. Um, I mean, most of these papers are, you know, 20, 30 pages long, if not more. And most people don't read that many pages of a book a day. Yeah. Probably read the equivalent scrolling through Instagram, but not quite. What is it? Three second attention span. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is made even worse when you're reading about something you don't understand. Yeah. All right. Um, so today we are diving into um, a literature review. So what a literature review is for those that don't know, or a systematic <coughs> literature review it is a review of all the current literature or the the current and um, the current literature that meets the criteria of that literature review. So 
rather than just looking at one singular study um, or doing one singular study, what they do is they go and they search um, a database for hundreds of studies. Um, if you've ever searched a database, you'll see that there's like thousands of results. You can quite easily type in, I don't know, this is very broad, but how to lose weight and get yeah, 300,000 results. Um, and what they do is they use a very strict search criteria, um, look at, you know, maybe uh, 15 papers and then take those papers and see what was consistent among them, what those that research um, says is true, what that research says seems to be false, what it says needs more more, more research. Into. Yeah, more research. Um, so the one we're diving in today, into today is titled <coughs> Perspectives into the Experience of Successful Substantial Long-Term Weight Loss Maintenance. Um, the study done, when was it done? Where is my date? January 2021, so fairly recent, um, which is good. That's what we want. We want recent literature. There's no point in reading a, an article on this that came out of the 1950s because what we know now is very different to what we know then. Even knew how then. we test, how we studies changed. Yeah, exactly. So um, there's a lot of different stuff in there. Um, so sort of sort of what we're we're going to try and do is break down the key key points of what they found. Um, I've got a whole page in front of me of notes from from this um basically there were um some factors that they found were common amongst everything i've just got to find them um on here somewhere yeah i suppose like i can cover the purpose so the, yeah. the yeah, purpose of the study is um basically what they talk about is the the increasing prevalence of overweight and obesity um understanding the experiences the strategies and the challenges um, encountered when trying to achieve substantial um, weight loss or improvement um, mm. and then what what factors lead to that being sustained over the long term yeah um, the success of that yeah we often see in the first year people have um, either put back on the weight or more and then it's you're looking at three years it's almost 90 plus percent of people are back to where they were yeah yeah if not worse right like yeah um, we see it we see it a lot where someone goes and loses a ton of weight in an extortionately short amount of time. And then you see them in half that time later and they've put on more weight than they lost. Um, so they've gone from, you know, you know, someone might go from 90 kilos down to 60 and then that's a huge jump, but 90 kilos down to 60. And then within two months, they're a hundred. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, I don't know what happened. Um, now, the so this study, um, they found 10 main themes that emerged. Um, I'll just sort of list them off. So continuous, continuous monitoring of the self, continuous monitoring externally, motivation intrinsic and extrinsic. All right, so intrinsic being um, something internal to you that motivates you, such as feelings or wanting to identify something. And extrinsic being um, money or a number on a scale or something like that. A prize is a classic. Yeah, one. yeah, prize, um, public validation, etc. Um, then goal setting, self-defined and externally defined goal setting, um, and then um, enduring challenges. There were intrinsic challenges and extrinsic challenges. 
Um, and then the overall experience, some people, or there was sort of a mix of positive and negative experiences with the weight loss maintenance. We're going to sort of touch on all of those um, and give you guys some takeaways to to look into for yourself. Um, so I suppose we should sort of start on the the whole framework of this thing. Um, and just in those 10 things there, what that, what that tells me is that weight loss and weight loss maintenance are is a very multifactorial um, uh, thing. You know, it's not just about eat less food. It's it's very, very diverse. It comes down to, um, yes, eat, loose, eat less food or make smart choices, but then there's also the pressures that come from doing that when you go to a restaurant or you go out and celebrate with somebody. Um, there's the challenges of not getting to enjoy and indulge in Hungry Jack's or Baskin Robbins ice cream or something like that um as you would like um and i think that that sort of is very important for people to realize it's not just about one thing and what's valuable to you changes so as you as you grow as you change as your environment changes what you deem value may be different from year to year yeah yeah um so i mean let's start off with the monitoring so this is pretty classic you know we all do this when we have um, a nutrition client come on. We, I mean, um, sort of the standard is three days of tracking, um, two weekdays, one weekend. Um, that seems to be the popular popular way that everyone likes to do it. I personally like this as well. So it gives us one day of um, what your weekend looks like, which is where most people tend to go off the rails and, and ruin their week of calories. Um, and then also what those work days look like where you know, you're not, you don't have access to your fridge um, for half the day. Um, so, uh, what they what they sort of found is that on that intrinsic monitoring, um, that intrinsic monitoring facet, um, self monitoring of your calories and your portion controls was was highly highly related to successful weight loss maintenance. So, what that's saying is that the people who continued to monitor their calories. Um, and actually have an idea of how much they were eating were the ones that were able to sustain the weight. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen this personally, even just something like what we call, I, I do it, you do it, mm -hmm. even a recalibration tracking day. Yep. So something just to recalibrate your portion sizes. Yep. This is what I perceive a portion to be. This is what the reality of that portion yeah, is. Yeah. Um, that changes as we get complacent. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think if you're not tracking or if you're not doing some kind of control over what you're eating you can't really do anything to you know if i go and i'm like oh man i'm picking up weight now what's going on um if i haven't been tracking i don't know what to change i haven't got anything to change oh i can just eat slightly less food um yeah that might work but you still don't know what you were eating so having that calibration and seeing seeing where you're at coming back to that monitoring um and saying okay uh i'm eating three thousand calories a day but 60% of that's sugar yeah. shit, um, you know? Um, I think a lot of us don't know, don't actually realize what's in what we eat. Um, so yeah, that was one of the, the major, major things um, within that. So self-monitoring, calorie control, portion control, whatever it is, um, just having, having an idea of what you're eating, how much it is, what the nutritional value of what you're putting into your mouth is um, seems to be huge in the long term for helping people sustain their their weight loss that they have 
in at the end of the day worked very hard for um it's no no easy feat having to to lose a bunch of weight you know um the other thing that it does is it helps us balance out back after and overindulging we all do it you know um i personally don't really drink but occasionally i'm like i would love to have a beer and then a beer turns into another beer and then another one and then another one yeah um and that having that calorie tracking helps you come back to some kind of baseline that you were at beforehand um after that overindulgence so we see it a lot where people you know um they might go out to dinner and they they order steak chips gravy they get the garlic bread um as the as the entree and then dessert kind of rolls around they're like oh man that chalk fudge brownie looks real good and they go and get the chalk fudge brownie there too um so what that does is it just helps us bring bring ourselves back to baseline after we have that bit of a bit of a a let go which is fine you're allowed to have a let go it's allowed to happen you got to enjoy life yeah exactly you got one life live it um <coughs> but yeah you have to be able to come back to to where you were um do you have anything else you want to add on to that just kind of i'm rehashing some of the fine stuff in this i read this a few weeks ago and um just to kind of bring light to why it kind of matters why whether someone can sustain this or not sustain this um they're talking a lot about how childhood obesity is up we're talking about it being up 18 percent. to give context around that that's 340 million people in 2018 yeah with childhood obesity um that's a lot of people yeah that's huge. and that's not even taking into account adults yeah um yeah it's it's pretty crazy the obesity rates in the world um it's, it's it's actually it's fri- it's frightening i mean it's not hard to be to it's be obese based on a bmi scale but um as it stands that number even even with some false positives is still yeah you, bmi we don't like it all right yeah. like we'll be pretty open about that it's not super accurate but you take 30 percent away for those inaccuracies you've still yeah. got a big number it's still massive um yeah it's pretty crazy um all right moving on to the continuous monitoring um the one of the big things that we we came out of or that came out of this was that um meal prepping and planning was huge so you ever hear the expression um failure to plan leads to failure to perform or something like or uh poor planning no proper planning prevents piss poor performance yeah um so one of the big things in here was that you need to plan you need to plan your food, whether that's meal prepping or at least knowing what you're going to eat when you go out um, rather than getting to the shops or the restaurant and going, oh, what looks good um, when you're hungry, all those things. So planning and having meals prepped helps you to maintain control when you come into a challenging situation, whether that means, um, you know, you're, you're at work, your boss called you in for a meeting that ran for an hour longer than it was supposed to and um, you missed your lunch break. If you've yeah. got food planned, you can at least eat that. You don't. You're not relying on going out to a shop or something like that um, to get food. You can actually, you can actually just go about your day as normal. Yeah, um, you've got that covered. Yeah, and um, so one of the other things on that was um, having a planned structure for your weight loss management. What they're talking about there is that. Um, you know, say you say you come along and you do a six-week crash crash diet, something I hate, but a six-week crash diet, okay, and you are planning on losing 
six kilograms in six weeks so that you can fit into your wedding dress. Or you got a birthday party, you want to look yeah, good in a yeah, bikini. Yeah, exactly. Um, for the boys. <laughs> for the boys. The boys in the bikini. <laughs> um, so you lose that weight, right? And then what then? You know, okay, the day's come, you've lost the weight. Yeah. What are you doing from that point? Um, so having a plan structure with your nutrition coach, your dietitian, your healthcare professional, whatever that is, is absolutely crucial in making sure that you don't regain that weight and then some. So long-term, don't be looking at the end goal. Look at the journey. Look at the process. Start to develop some systems that you can take away and you can continue long, long after your six weeks. We do that. Oh, I say this to a lot of the people that do our six-week challenges. Um, I don't want to see you again. Yeah. I don't want to see you for a second challenge. You shouldn't need me. Um, you might you might wish to come back um, for some refresh or some extra accountability it's or something like that. But you yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't be coming into it <clears throat> after having done our last one and being back to where you were. Yeah. Um, so it's a new goal, the next thing. Yeah, yeah. So what what I'm what I'm trying to say there is that um, it doesn't end when the weight loss ends. When, the, when you reach the target, you then have to maintain that. You then have to keep those same systems in place. Because I'll tell you what, uh, if you drop 10 kilos, your body still has to reset to 10 kilos and your body doesn't do that quickly. No. You know, that takes, I think it's like three to six months or something like that feel for your body to reset and decide that this is my new weight. This is my new baseline. Yeah, yeah. Your body's this crazy homeostatic machine. Homeostasis means bringing, bringing back to um, baselines. So, Perfect idea of this is your, or an example of this is your body temperature. If you get too hot, um, you sweat, brings you back to baseline. If you get too cold, you shiver, brings you back to baseline. And that baseline is literally like two degrees. Your body's really, really good at that. So your weight falls on the same scale. If you gain too much weight, your body's like, oh my God, I need to come back. Yeah. You know, it's going to pull you right back. Um, this tends to happen with muscle mass, not fat, by the way. Um, same thing for weight loss. You lose all that weight, your body's like, oh man, I need to get back to where I was. <laughs> you know, this yep. is hard. Um, so it's why this matters. Yeah. So plan structure. Um, it doesn't end when the weight loss ends. Um, one of the other ones on there that was huge for me was limiting bad food choices. Uh, this means not, not, you know, you go to the grocery store and the... There's a bag of Maltesers on sale for half price. Doesn't mean you get to buy the bag of Maltesers. Limiting your food choices means not buying that bag of Maltesers, not having snacks in the house or the bad snacks in the house, not having those things. Um, yes, again, like we say, you're allowed to... It's balanced. Yeah, you're allowed to balance it out. But <clears throat> if you've got a problem where... If you walk past the fridge, open the fridge and there's, or the freezer, and there's a tub of ice cream in there, you're going to eat the whole tub of ice cream. You shouldn't have that tub of ice cream in your freezer. All right. If you yeah. want, if you want ice cream, go to Baskin Robbins, get a single scoop of ice cream on a cone, make it, you know, limiting that choice um, is, is important. So it's, it's also only, it's only going to be value in moderation. So yeah. like that excitement and that treat in moderation is going to give you what you want yeah when you have it in excess you also lose what you yeah you get bored of it for. you don't want that ice cream anymore now it doesn't have the same effect. yeah and i'll and i'll tell you what and we're going to touch on it in a second but um that food becomes your your crutch when do you eat when do you eat ice cream either when 
you're feeling really happy and you're oh, I really want some ice cream. Or when you're feeling really down and you're like, oh, man, I just want to eat a bowl of ice cream and watch watch a movie. Yeah. Um, and yes, that's harmless in an instant. But what happens is that food slowly turns into your emotional crutch. Um, the most common thing for people is alcohol. Alcohol is an emotional crutch. Um, and it's with change. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. even have to be a negative or positive. Yeah, just, just change. change. And again, again, we'll touch on that. It's all in there, right? Um, it's It's... So it's crazy. So just limit those food choices. I myself don't buy, I don't buy beers. I don't buy a six pack or a 24 pack of beers. If I want a beer, I go to the shops and I buy one beer, like just one can. Yeah. Have and a goal around it. Dry yeah. July is a classic one. Everyone yeah. does dry July. It feels so much better. We see people train better. Yeah. More energy. Yeah. More consistent. Yeah. 100%. And it's like, didn't have to be dry July. You could have just made it more balanced, mm, more exactly. manageable. Um, all right, so I think that's pretty much it on the monitoring. Extrinsic monitoring um, is pretty straightforward. That's just having someone to keep you accountable. That might be a coach, healthcare practitioner um, that looks, you know, looks at your MyFitnessPal, tells you, hey, what happened here? You know, yeah. um, where's your, I don't know, where's your where's your calorie intake gone? Why why aren't you eating, hitting your protein targets? Why aren't you doing this? Whatever it is, um, but having those those things to look at. It also is progress pictures, numbers on the scale, those little things. We don't like getting super obsessed with numbers on the scale because um, 100 kilos can look very different for two di very different people. Um, you know, I might weigh 100 kilos of lean mass. Oh, I wish. Um, or I might weigh 100 kilos of uh, fat mass. Those two things look incredibly different. Um, I've had it lots of the times with clients where they're like, I'm heavier. I'm like, yeah. But have you looked at yourself? Yeah. Like, you know, you got abs. <laughs> and if the abs. scale's going down fast, it's generally not going to be fat mass. Exactly. Exactly. Like we, everyone knows by now that muscle is a lot denser than fat. Yeah. All right. So if you dropped a kilo of fat, visually you will look very different. Yeah. And you've only shifted one kilo. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, yeah. From there, I mean, we can dive into motivation. Um. Some pretty basic stuff on motivation. Uh, I think. I think one thing. I don't know if you've noticed it in the study. Did you notice where they talked about aesthetics? So people who train for aesthetics tend to rebound more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think it's hard to measure and that's why. So if we look at, it's not that training for aesthetics is bad. You just have to have some form of unit of measurement or tracking yeah. like you're talking about. And then that goal reset once you've achieved the goal. So yeah. use that motivation from accomplishment and now set the next one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, on that, uh, that that comes back to intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, which we're going to dive into. Um, aesthetics is an, extrins an extrinsic goal, right? You see, you're seeing something external. Um, yes, it's the way you look, but you're seeing this external thing and you're realizing, oh, this doesn't make me feel that good. Like, I don't feel any different. And as you age, age it changes. Yeah, exactly. Um, it is it is important that people have positive self-image, but the stress of that aesthetic can also become a problem. Um, but so intrinsic goals um, or intrinsic motivators, sorry, uh, goals are the same too, but are a much stronger motivator than extrinsic. You are far more likely to tough it out through something tough if you have a strong intrinsic motivator or driver versus strong extrinsic motivator or driver. If, if I'm going to pay you a thousand dollars to suffer for an hour or you're going to come out of that hour of suffering feeling better 
I know it doesn't sound like it's true, but you'll be more motivated for the feeling better than the $1,000. Um, that's probably not the greatest example, but um, these identifying factors or how you identify yourself count as intrinsic, goal, intrinsic goals. And they're much more powerful um, when, when shit gets hard. Um, we see it with people who come in and it's like, I want to be able to play with my grandkids. Yes. So I, that's I one of them. That's huge, right? When I'm old, it's yeah. health. Yeah, exactly. So those health-related goals, the intrinsic, um, that is a much stronger identif- or much stronger driver for somebody than I want to be 20 kilos lighter. Um, I want to look like this chick on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, we exactly. We get that all the time. Yeah, heaps of it. Um, the the other things that we found and, and or that the studies found is that um, the people who were successful in their weight loss mo- maintenance, um, that that those intrinsic goals being accomplished, so a better positive self-image, um, help them with things like feeling more in control with in control of their life because they had they sort of had that portion of themselves under control, um, which which I think is huge. You know, if you start to feel like your life's under control, it's getting on track, those kind of things. You're very motivated to to sustain that, um, and if that is weight loss related, then that that's that's fine. Um, but yeah, so the improvement of positive self-image just helps to helps to maintain um, the the behaviors and the routines and all those kind of things that led to the weight loss that helps with the maintenance of that weight loss. Um, the other thing was that people um, people understood their comorbidities. So if, where where I see that is, um, and I might I might be a bit controversial here is. I know there's the whole body positivity movement, right? And people are like, no, it's okay. You're allowed to be plus size, etc. And that's fine. Yes, yes, you are allowed to be plus five, plus size. Some people hold more fat than others. What you shouldn't, what you shouldn't be allowed to be, or what is not okay, is morbidly obese and unfunctional, sick. Um, all those things because the n- amount of comorbidities that come with being obese are enormous cancer diabetes um uh non-alcoholic liver non-nafaldi non-alcoholic fatty liver disease um like those are just a few right it's basically our top five death toll. yeah yeah so when people start to understand those that's incredibly motivating right like oh i don't want to inject myself with insulin every day i don't want to lose my foot to gangrene like you know, um, I, don't, I don't want to be not not be able to get up and go to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't want a liver transplant. You know, we could go on forever. Um, those are the problem with being overweight. Those comorbidities that come with that um, are dangerous, and they're a real burden on the healthcare system. They're not great. So when people understand that those are those are very real things that that yeah. come with carrying excessive body fat. Um, we just have to understand it. Yeah. It's the other end of the spectrum as well. If we look at what we've seen, it's come from the fact that you've almost had the other end of unhealthy. Yeah. And this is the fight back against that. Yeah. So yeah, instead exactly. of us finding a middle ground, we've almost gone the other way. Yeah. Um, then um, on those intrinsics, the last one was that people start to form a new identity. So... Um, I don't mean this as in they they are, they're a different person, but what they what they start to see is or they have is like uh, an ice cream get. Oh, I'm really using ice cream a lot. Someone invites them out for you have an ice cream after this. I probably will. Um, 
Um, someone invites him out for uh, McDonald's and then some drinks. That's a really poor night, but McDonald's and then some drinks. Um, that change in identity that someone has where they say, no, I'm not the type of person that does that um, is really helpful in driving them. Rather than just saying, no, I don't want to do that. It's no, I don't do those things. You yeah. know, that doesn't align with who I am. Um, that's that's quite important too. So people start to feel reshaped. They feel different. They feel like a, a new person. Um, and well, that new person does things differently and has different routines, different habits, different hobbies. Well, even better is it's like, yeah, I'm coming out for the social interaction, but I'm having grilled. You mm. have Maccas or you have whatever you want. And I'll have one beer. I'm not staying out till 4 a.m. drinking all night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, moving into extrinsic. Um, so we'll touch on this really quickly because it's not a, it, this wasn't a, a crucial component, um, but it was helpful. So um, some of it is that people get some extrinsic motivation from um, being a mentor to someone else who's trying to lose weight. So if I've gone and lost 20 kilos and um, my friend Charlie is trying to lose 10 kilos, I've been through that. I know what Charlie feels like and I want to mentor Charlie, but I can't do that if I'm putting my weight back on. Yeah. Um, so Leading by example. Yeah, lead by example. Find people to help. Find people to um, inspire and motivate um, is huge. Um, the other ones are social acceptance. So obviously... Um, if you're around a social group of healthy, fit people, yeah. you're more likely to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and it's the opposite is true as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So people want social acceptance. They want to be accepted into the group of people that they want, they effectively want to mirror or want to be like. Um, so they're motivated by that as and, well. And those behaviors are accepted in those groups. Yeah. As where one, it might not be accepted. Yeah, exactly. I remember, um, you know, I, 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 I sort of, when I started, training a lot and competing um i stopped hanging out with my old fr friend group um who i do miss dearly but um they weren't good for me yeah. you know um they drank three nights a week and partied all didn't, the time. didn't align with your goals yeah exactly it didn't align with who i wanted to be and what i was um i miss those friends a lot but um i'm i care more about what i'm doing now yeah. um so on the topic of goals um the next thing was goal setting so clear personalized um goals dated crucial um yeah dated have it have a time frame yeah there's got to be a time frame so we often use smart which is uh oh god i can't remember now um specific measurable achievable uh related yeah related to what you're trying to do um and time constraint um is sort of a goal setting process we use but it means it needs to be specific. I want to lose X number. Is it? It has. It's realistic, isn't it? Yeah, realistic. Realistic. Sorry, yeah, realistic. Yeah. Realistic and achievable seem to be interchangeable. I think. Yeah. Um, measurable. You got to measure it, so it needs to have some kind of number, visual, whatever it is. This, you can't this, just aesthetics say. Aesthetics can be hard with that because yeah. it changes from person to person. Yeah, so exactly. sometimes having aesthetic goals great but measure your bicep and yeah. go i want it to go from 33 to 35 yeah yeah exactly um but what i thought was interesting is that self-defined goals were more beneficial than externally defined goals so an externally defined goal was something like i want to weigh 60 kilos 
first, I want to be able to play with my grandkids. Um, so those self-defined goals were much more powerful in helping people maintain their their weight loss. Um, then one of, the, and I really like this because I'm all about routine. The people that were most successful had routine. And this is where that planning comes into play, everything like that. Um, they had a regular gym routine. They might have played sports. They knew what their food was supposed to be. They knew what their calories were supposed to be. Um, and they were able to adjust all of this to life events. So if someone died in the family or um, they had to go to a celebration or a party or something like that, they were able to adjust because they had a routine, they had a plan, um, and that made it much easier. They, um, they say in the studies that the people who reported weight regain most predominantly were the ones who didn't have that in place. They didn't have routines. They didn't have. They didn't plan. They didn't track. Um, so the 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 biggest thing that I took away from this whole thing um, is plan. Have a routine. Do yeah. do the same things every day. It's behaviors and habits. Yeah. But a lot of that's going to come down to education too. Yeah, so they yeah. understand what they need based on the circumstances and environment. So yeah. like you said, they pivot when they need to pivot. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's that's where it does get hard is if you don't if you haven't been educated or you don't know, it does make it very difficult for you to make that that pivot when something gets gets in the way. Um, but and that's that's where our job comes in as as um, coaches is trying to help people um, understand what they're doing, why we're doing it, what needs to be um, and then tr still trying to make that a habit for those people. Um Yeah, uh, I think I think it's good. There's there's a lot of takeaways here for everyone. Um, yeah. I th I think a big thing with a lot of these people, what I read through, no one was following any specific diet. No, it's not like any of them were. I can only fast. I can only keto. Yeah. I can only. Yeah. Um, it was just balancing. Yeah, a hundred percent. So my my biggest um, my one of the things I like to say to people is, um, and I, th I may have even said it on the last podcast, but, um, when you're eating something if you think to yourself man i really shouldn't be eating this you sh you shouldn't be eating it yeah you know i say it to people all the time they're like oh man how do i eat healthy i'm like simple just don't eat like an asshole um <laughs> which i then have to elaborate on quite a lot um and say to them that it's eating it's eating a balanced diet lots of whole foods fresh foods um limiting packaged packaged foods and processed sugars you know um that's sort of where we go from there. But, and something I've sort of realized over the last, last few or the last year or two is that um, when I say to somebody, don't eat like an asshole, they don't know what eating like an asshole is. They actually have no idea. They don't know that, um, you know, three bowls of cocoa pops with two scoops of sugar a day is not, is a bad thing. And they, six coffees. They, they actually have no idea. Um, so it's, it's, I don't want to say it's horrifying to me, but it does it does worry me how uneducated people are about what a balanced diet actually looks like. You look at the average Western diet, and it's not good. Crazy, even yeah. in kids, it's yeah. crazy. It's it's terrible. I I remember as a kid, um, when we we lived in the Middle East, you could buy uh twenty four packs of Coke for dirt cheap, 
and um, I was allowed one a day. I look at that now, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. why'd you let me do that? Um, but I remember as a kid being like, oh man, I want Coke. Like, but, but that's I'm going to have another now. Coke. Yeah, and it's crazy. Um, like actually one a day is not normal. It's normally two or three a day. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, drink water, man. Like, like, just drink water. I remember my uncle was uh, was told by his doctor, he used to go to bed with a two liter bottle of Coke at night um, next to the bed and he'd finish it by the morning. And my his doctor said to him, like, he smoked as well. Um, his doctor said to him, if you don't stop this, you're going to be dead in six months. You know, your blood pressure's through the roof. You're pre-diabetic. You're going to die. Um, he was not healthy at all. And he stopped the he stopped the uh, the smoking like like that just suddenly, um, but he still drinks a shitload of coke. It just happens to be zero coke zero, which is probably not better. Um, but you know, swap it for water. That'd be great. Sparkling water is what I've done. I used to love fizzy drinks. That's why I love coke so much. Now I drink sparkling water. Yeah. Um, it's way cheaper too. <laughs> yeah, and it's still moderation. You're still yeah. having regular water. Yeah, exactly. Um. That was a bit of a, a tangent, but um, yeah, the, you know, um, weight loss is very difficult and it's even harder to hold the weight off. So some of those things, you know. Um, I think I think if you don't have any takeaways or things that you think you can action, you probably need to ask for help. So yeah. look, look for a coach, um, especially a coach who's going to have the approach of, um, I'm going to educate you and guide you so you can do this on your own. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's it, you know, uh, as we were saying, it's, it's, it's not good how little people know, but don't be ashamed of not knowing anything. It's not your fault. Um, it starts with asking yeah, for help. Yeah, exactly. Put come your and, hand up. Yeah. Come and ask for help. Um, find somebody who can help you. It doesn't have to be us. Um, find, find a nutritionist, find a dietitian, look at the Australian guide to healthy eating. That's a freaking phenomenal resource. And it is, it's very general. As long as you you don't have to weigh anything. There's a lot out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So just to rehash on that, you know, the 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 people who are successful in um, weight loss maintenance plan, um, accountability, and monitoring. um, They had a routine, and they knew how to goal set. So um, if you have those things in place, and you can identify now as somebody who does those things, um, and switch your perspective, that's that's going to set you up for success yeah. in the long run. If, and that intrinsic, if you do know that you, you are someone who's suffering with an extrinsic goal mm-hmm. um, and you probably are getting results, um, maybe just look at rehashing some goal setting midway and find yeah. something intrinsic. Yeah. What does that goal mean to you? you know? Ask the uh, hard questions. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I think some great deep introspection on those lines can be very powerful. So something for people to look into. Yeah. Hopefully that helps. Thanks for joining us, guys. I think next time we're going to touch on a study where we're talking about intermittent fasting. Yeah, we'll try and bring some research in there. It seems to be the hot topic at the moment. Either that, like it's intermittent fasting or people are really big on these uh, super fasts where they don't eat for 48 hours. Yeah, Um, it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Day on, day off. Yeah, not good. Uh, Which is exactly what we'll touch on next week. Yeah, 100%. All right. Thank you for joining us and we will see you on our next podcast. Cue the music.